Nobody will hype you up more or believe in your business than internet strangers. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Imperfect Company podcast. My name is Mariah. And my name is Arlena. I'm oh, sorry, I switched that up on us. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you did. I but I, I tried to react quickly. I tried to I tried to make sure, like, okay, it's not I'm, it's my name is. <laughs> I guess we could. I, I didn't even think about it. Ugh, whatever. I'm not even gonna uh, edit this out. We're no. just, we we have MM vibes this week. It's my name is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a funny joke. <laughs> so if you guys saw on our social media last week, Arlena here celebrated a birthday. So we wanted to talk a little bit about and cel- uh, celebrate here on the podcast too, not just on social media. I sure did. Yep. Last week I celebrated my birthday. It was nice because I was also with Adam. And so it was perfect timing for me to go and visit him and be able to celebrate my birthday together. I feel like the best part of adult birthdays is just having an excuse to eat cake. Now, in my defense, I really don't need an excuse to buy cake because every once in a while I am walking past like the deli section of my grocery store and I see the little like mini um, containers that have like two or three pieces of cake in it. And I'll be like, "Mm, I guess I should get this. And that could be like my dessert for this week. Mm -hmm. And I always love doing it because I feel like I forget like, oh, I don't have to have a special occasion to eat cake. So that's the best part of a birthday to me is just being able to go buy a cake and eat the cake and also to be able to use like the fact that, well, it's my birthday month or it's my birthday week yeah. uh, as any excuse that I, that I potentially need. So, uh, do you want to share how old you are? No, <laughs> a lady, a lady never reveals her age. <laughs> nope. Nope. It's just funny because I never really bring up my age, right? Like age doesn't really come up. Like after you're 21, like birthdays stop mattering to an extent, like the actual like number. And so, you know, you just, forget to even think about it, I guess, until somebody asks you how old you are. And many of you know that I previously worked as a college instructor. And so I specifically like didn't post about my age on my social media for my business because I didn't want that to be like plastered all over the internet when my students also knew about my business. And not that it's any secret. Like I think that it was very obvious to all of my students that I was younger. And so last year for my birthday, I got a question mark candle instead of like an actual age number candle and took a picture for social media, like a little boomerang that was really cute. And I think I'm just going to stick with that. Like, I feel like it's so much fun. I don't know. I don't want this to turn into a whole rant, which it kind of already has, but I am just one of those people who's like, Ugh, who even cares about age? Because I truly feel like a 60 year old woman inside of my head. Some days, other days I realize like I'm the adult and I'm like, Oh crap. Like I'm supposed to know the answers to these questions. And I have no idea. Like, let me Google. And I ask my parents that all the time. I'm like, how did y'all like figure anything out before you had the internet, right? Like, and when granted, like when I was first in school, like especially elementary school, and I think even like the beginning of middle school, like we still had computer labs, but we were supposed to cite like encyclopedias. And so we would go to like the shelf in the library that had, you know, like the A through Z, it's like a whole big ass giant shelf that has all of the encyclopedias ever. And you like use that to research topics and, um, granted it's good learning experience. Highly recommend if you've never done that, um, just might as well do it for the heck of it. Um, have I forgotten everything about the Dewey decimal system? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But at some point in my life, that was evidently important to me, not 
you know, uh, how to do taxes or compounding interest or any of the things that are actually important in your adult life. But, you know, we all uh, probably share the same thoughts on that. No, I love that. I feel like both of us are the same in that way because I have like just in my Instagram bio, old lady at heart, because I feel like an old lady 95% of the time. I have major issues with my back. That's a huge thing. And then like, you know, the calligraphy thing is kind of old fashioned. Uh, When I say that I like do calligraphy, like nib and ink calligraphy, people are like, oh, what? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think it's gotten like a lot more popular in the last two or three years. But like when we Mm -hmm. first started our business, I feel like the calligraphy community as a whole was a lot smaller. And especially like Mariah and I both do what we would probably call like modern calligraphy as opposed to like Spencerian or any of the other like traditional fancy, fancy types of calligraphy, which are absolutely beautiful. And they're all their own art. But it's one of the reasons why I love modern calligraphy so much, because I love seeing how people take something, right? You can use the same pen or a pencil or a Crayola marker, like whatever you're using, and you can completely create your own style and put your own spin on it. And it's funny because there are certain letters in my own alphabet that I still like the capital G and capital F are two that I absolutely hate. And it's funny because it's so much fun to get to see like how other lettering artists write those letters and experiment with ways that I want to write those letters. And it's just something that you figure out over time. And we'll have to do like an entire episode on like how you can discover your calligraphy style or just like as an artist in general, because it takes a lot of experimenting. And I think a lot of people expect for it to happen overnight. Like, Ooh, I want to start painting or I want to start doing calligraphy. But I think people forget how much practice and time you have to put into something to really create your own style. And I think that Mariah and I both, um, if you scroll back in our Instagram a million years, you'll be able to see stuff that we used to do and you might not even recognize it. But over the last probably two or three years, you know, I think that our style, it's evolved, of course, and we've obviously gained more experience and uh, refined our style for lack of a better term. But it's still, you can still look at our work and you would be able to pick like who, who's is who, right? Cause we each have our own style. Yeah. It's a, it's like a huge trial and error process. And like you're saying, it's like, like I learned, uh, briefly, I took like a course or whatever on copper plate calligraphy. And I think that really helped me with actually doing nibbon and calligraphy. Cause it like helped me, um, do it in a more structured way. So then I could like evaluate and choose my style, but it's nice because now my style has evolved and I've tried so many things that, for example, like when I'm doing branding work, I, I try to mix up the style of calligraphy for every option that I'm giving clients. So I have all of those things in the back of my mind, different letter forms, different like style of like how thick the letters are, you know, monoline versus whatever. And, um, it's really fun because it's all ones that I have used or, or tried in the past, but I've kind of put my own spin on it. And that's so fun. I feel like we could talk about calligraphy though, for like hours and hours and hours. <laughs> yeah, we definitely could, which is why there'll be many episodes on this podcast about calligraphy and just creative things in general, but let's go ahead and get into today's episode all about community over competition. So Arlena, I feel like both of us have 
built our businesses and been very, very vocal about this thing that we call community over competition. Today's episode, we're just going to kind of go through what community means to us and how it's affecting our business and how we run our businesses because of it. And then we're going to dive way into the competition aspect and kind of where the line is drawn between being a part of a community and sharing some of the things you know and not wanting to give everything away to your competitors. I think I can speak for both of us when I say that this was one of the first episode topics we ever thought of when we were first like starting our podcast and going through all of the episodes that we wanted to record and some of our ideas. You know, This is something like you just mentioned that we both feel really strongly about. I think it's really hard for us to be able to kind of summarize what community over competition means to us in just one sentence. And I mean, that's why we're doing an entire podcast episode on it. But I do want to at least try to summarize it in a way that makes sense. And I think it just means that we both believe that the internet is really cool in the sense that it brings you together with people from all over the United States, all over the world. Most of the time, they're following you online or you're following them because you have mutual interests. And when you're a business and you're running a business account, Of course, you want to connect with your ideal audience and you want to connect with the people who are going to be your customers. But I think one of our favorite parts of having our business accounts, personally at least, has been being able to connect with other business owners that are in the same industry as us. And not just because it helps build our community and build friendships, but because you learn tips and tricks along the way. You have people in your corner that just understand. I think the most important takeaway from that is that there's space for everybody, especially when you think of small businesses and handmade businesses. You're only one person. You can only crank out so many orders. You can only take so many clients. So it only makes sense that there is space for all of us. And as much as you might want to, for example, be able to do calligraphy for everybody in the entire world, that's unrealistic and never going to happen. So (laughs) I think that connecting with other business owners is really part of the process of building that community and building yourself a network of individuals who just get you. Well, especially for you, Arlena, your business model, a lot of what you sell and what you make could be sold basically directly to possible competitors, especially when it comes to like your lettering guides, your Procreate brushes, all of that. That is something that, you know, a lot of people follow you for. A lot of people in your base, the base of your Instagram following came from Procreate letters, those kind of things, because they were getting tips from you, tricks from you. And a lot of those people are possibly using your products to further their businesses, which I think ties right into this community over competition because that community can be a huge part of your business model. Like the people that support you in your business can be competition and that's okay because like you said, there is more than enough room for all of us. So even if you're teaching them literally everything that you do stroke by stroke, they are still gonna create something different from it. They're gonna reach different people And you won't have to worry about them taking your business. Yeah, I think you bring up a really interesting point because I guess I never thought about it in that way, but I'll use the Procreate brushes as kind of my example. And for those of you who are listening and you don't know what Procreate is, let us fill you in real quick because if you go to either of our Instagrams, you'll probably see us using it. It's an app on an iPad or an iPad Pro and you utilize it with the Apple Pencil and it does really, really magical things. Procreate is an art 
app, I guess. Is that how you would describe mm -hmm. it, Mariah? Yeah, art app. So you can paint and draw and it is, I mean, it's honestly magical. So you use the Apple Pencil. There's pressure sensitivity, which is so important for us as people who do lettering or somebody who does calligraphy and they're always evolving the app. It's like the adult version of paint, but really the artwork that comes out of Procreate is just mind blowing. Right. And it's so realistic. And if we think back to ourselves as like younger children using paint and the most frustrating part of it was like the pixelated look of the lines and like not being able to get super realistic things. Um, but technology has come so far. If you're listening to this and you know what paint is and you also are even vaguely familiar with what Photoshop does in a sense, kind of think if the two had a really realistic child that just created beautiful artwork. I mean, that's exactly kind of what Procreate is and it's amazing. And with each brush, you know, there's so many different brush settings that you can tweak to make do all sorts of fun things. I mean, I almost feel like the learning is endless on trying to figure out what you can do with, with Procreate brushes. And, and I specifically spent a lot of time many years ago now making Procreate brushes with specific settings that worked for me and my lettering. And it's funny because of all the Procreate updates and all the extra brush settings they've put in there, I mean, I still use the same lettering brushes. And specifically, the one that I use the most often is what I call my bossy brush. And I mean, it's perfect for lettering for me. And it's, and it's been perfect, you know, all this time. My thought process in releasing those brushes was that I had spent hours and hours and hours practicing and tweaking settings and figuring out what I liked and what I didn't like. And so it only made sense for me to release these and to make them affordable and to try to save other lettering artists from having to put in that amount of work because I had put in all these hours and really tweaked it to what had worked for me. Although this episode is not about Procreate, I think specifically with lettering, it can be hard to remember that like buying a specific Procreate brush or buying a specific pen is not going to make your lettering look like somebody else's. And I think that is the biggest mistake that beginners make is they're like, I need to buy all of these lettering brushes because mm -hmm. I have to have good lettering when really the brush is only part of the process. And although having a brush with settings made for lettering helps a ton. It doesn't do the work for you in learning how to letter. I think there's a big overlap in a lot of businesses that we see on social media nowadays. And the overlap is saving people time and streamlining the process. So that's what I mentioned specifically when I was just talking about my Procreate brushes and, you know, mentioning that part of releasing it was like saving other lettering artists the time and effort that would have gone into making something very similar. And I think we see it a lot with coaching businesses or classes. You know, the internet is a very extensive place, obviously. So a lot of information is out there on the internet and it just takes enough dedication and Googling to get to the bottom of it. But many of us don't have enough hours in our day to be doing that level of research on a ton of different topics. And so I think that's kind of the beauty of being able to support other small businesses that in some way are able to streamline, again, in some way, shape or form, your business and your own processes and kind of save you time that way. And I think a great example of that is what you do for your branding clients. I mean, of course, somebody could come up with their own branding concept, but then they'd have to learn all these different Adobe programs and color theory and typography and, and all of these different kind of factors instead of just paying an expert like you to do it for them. And I know that's just one piece of what you do in your business, but I guess how else would you say that community has shaped what you do in your business? Well, especially with branding, what you just said, community, I feel like community is the reason why I get my branding clients in general. It's funny. 
the cookie community is where I get all of my branding clients right now. I mean, I have the occasional one that's not a part of the cookie community. And I say cookie community like bakers, people who bake cookies and cakes or dessert. Their specific community is a great example of sharing secrets, of helping each other out and giving recommendations. Their recommendations have brought me so many clients, which is incredible. And what you're describing as community is also the definition of word of mouth marketing, which is literally the best marketing that you can possibly have for your business, no matter what amount you spend on advertising, creating a brand experience and an end product or results that is so amazing that your clients have almost no choice but to scream it from the rooftops. I think when you have people who believe so firmly in what you do, you know, they are happy to recommend you. Again, it goes back to like saving time. Like, hey, everybody, if you are in the cookie community, don't look anywhere else for branding because you can pay MJ Creative Co. to do it for you and to do it well, because that's where, at the time that we're recording this at least, the majority of your branding clients are in that industry. And you are a branding professional, period, but also specifically your niche right now, as of recording, is that industry. <laughs> yeah. I think social media in general, not only with my branding clients, but from the very beginning of my business has had such an effect. Anytime someone comes to me, and it's like, okay, how did you get, you know, 9,000 followers on Instagram? How do I get that? I am super truthful. And that's how I always am by saying it's literally about building your community because what I used to do at the beginning of my Instagram journey as awkward as that sounds, is I would message people, comment on their posts, really interact with them. And not only did that get them to, you know, follow me back and become interested in my products, but it also gave me all these friendships that I absolutely adore. And I feel that support from my friendships that literally derived from me commenting on one post of theirs that I like and then them following me and then them sending me a message on Instagram after I post about like my dog. Like that's the crazy part about social media is you can really connect with people in that way. There's a quote that I see on Pinterest sometimes and it just randomly pops up on my feed. But every time I see it, I think of exactly what you're describing. And the quote says something like, I apologize because I'm probably going to butcher it. But the quote says, nobody will hype you up more or believe in your business than internet strangers. And I <laughs> am such a strong believer in that because we've seen it firsthand. I mean, the listeners know, right? You all have heard us talk about our journeys and why we decided to start this podcast together and how we met. And I mean, literally we met through Instagram and commenting on each other's things. One of the first like in-depth conversations I can think of when I think back to like our first couple exchanges of DMs was when I was in the process of starting my website and you helping answer questions about that. And again, like openly sharing like where you bought your website template and always being willing to kind of answer those little questions that come up when you're in the process of building a website for the first time. And, and I think another great example, you know, you mentioned posting pictures of your dog and I get the same thing when I post pictures of our dog or I think about last year when Adam and I got engaged, when I posted about it on Bossy Breaststrokes, I mean, the comments were filled with so much love and 
like excitement. And I got so many messages. And I mean, I just think that's, what's so cool is that, you know, your clients aren't just buying from your business, but they're buying from you. And, and that's a sentence that you're going to hear Mariah and I say a hundred or a thousand more times throughout different episodes in this podcast, because it is so true. Like when you have a small business, yeah, of course there are some people who are buying from your business, but most of the time, the reason they're attracted to your business is because of like the personal appeal and those relationships. And I think on top of other businesses, I can also think of multiple people just off the top of my head who were my customers and have now become what I would consider like an Instagram friend, right? I joke and call them like Insta friends because again, they've placed recurring orders or they've you know, sung my praises on social media. And then I followed them back. And then I started commenting on their posts. And like you said, something that simple really makes a difference. Yeah. I just had a conversation with one of my branding clients who has a fairly substantial social media following. And she complimented me on how open I am on my stories and on my and on my feed and said, oh, but I'm so nervous about about not being perfect that I I stop myself from posting more things, posting my face, posting behind the scenes, that kind of thing. And I I told her very honestly, I was like, you know, we connected over the phone. We were having a phone conversation and she's super cool. And I told her, I was like, you should show your face more, show your personality more because the beauty of having a small business, like you said, Arlena, is that you are the one person that they're interacting with. So you have control over what kind of experience they're going to have in your business. And if they feel like they are working or buying from a friend, the whole experience is going to be so much better. I am maybe too open sometimes on my social media. Like this past year, I've gotten like a tiny bit political. That's okay because I've really built up my community and now I have these in-depth conversations with people who are from all different places and all walks of life. And the reason why we started having a conversation is because I posted something about my family or about you know, my medical issues or the issue that I was having with an Etsy customer. Like those things all help bring that community together and bring a community of like-minded people who you can be friends with. And let's just take a second to step away from the social media mindset. Everybody who's listening, take a minute and pause and like reflect on the friendships in your life, whether they are a friend you've had for years, somebody you just met. Did you meet through a mutual friend? Did you meet at work? Think about how you met and how the friendship developed because I would be willing to bet the friendship did not develop because that person didn't tell you anything about their lives and just tried to sell you things right? The era of cold calling has died. Okay. If you're cold calling in your business, if you're cold messaging in business, I'm looking at you MLMs. <laughs> sorry about it. <laughs> While there are some people that that method works for, at least from my standpoint, I don't see it work very often. And again, I think thinking about it as looking at who you're friends with. And if you hung out with somebody and all they ever wanted to talk about was you, and they never wanted to talk about themselves, 
I might be a little suspicious of our friendship. So think about that with your customers, right? They, of course, they want to hear about your business. And of course, you should be intentionally selling to them. But part of that selling process is making yourself an authority figure. And part of being an authority figure is having some level of vulnerability, in my opinion. Yeah, you've got to find that balance between running your business and being a business owner and showing your true self. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you don't want to share. Sometimes you don't want to show your face to everyone or you're afraid that what you say or you know your personal opinions might cause someone not to purchase from you. But the amount of people that you're going to reach just by being open and honest is worth all that other possible bad stuff. Not to mention... I know that not everybody has this opinion, but it is one that I feel strongly about. I think a really great personal example of this was starting in the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. A few months in, somewhere throughout that summer, I made a post about wearing a mask. And of course, I got a ton of comments that were saying very supportive things and agreeing with me because the majority of people have that opinion because they're normal human beings. But then there were a couple of people who commented and they were like, I am unfollowing your business and I'm never going to purchase from you because you are a sheep. And I remember commenting back and being like, bye, see ya. Because again, the people that I follow on social media and that follow me, I mean, I truly look at it as my community. And I don't want people like that in my community. So like, don't let the door hit you on the way out. I mean, so I think it's also about that. Like, of course there is a fine line, but if you feel strongly about your political views or about certain things that are going on in your life, you absolutely should share those things. And there are always going to be people who don't like it, who don't like your opinion. And guess what? Like their opinions are not paying your bills. Like they're not supporting your business. They're just there to like instigate and cause problems on social media. So remember that. I mean, it can be discouraging, but I do think that it's very important. And I think sometimes I know, especially I am an overthinker. So sometimes I do overthink things because I look at my space on the internet, right? My little corner of Instagram as a place that is generally a positive, uplifting place. But if all I was sharing was positive and uplifting comments, (laughs) that's not real life. I know I just mentioned it and we've said it a few times already. We were talking about our communities and building a community and the cookie community and all these communities. And I think that us finding our communities just kind of happened naturally over time with a lot of effort. But what would be your advice to somebody who's trying to find a community they love? Like how does one find a community that they love? Yeah. So the first thing that I would recommend is what we've already talked a lot about, being vulnerable and not being afraid of putting yourself out there a little bit. It's the same with real life friendships. I know I have a hard time in real life making new friends because you're worried that like you're not going to click or they're going to judge you for asking them to go out for drinks or whatever. And we're also adults. And I feel like adult friendships are are like a different breed, right? Like if you aren't like connecting at work or like have like a very niche hobby that involves like a group of some nature, you're kind of like reliant on meeting mutual friends. Yeah. It's not easy and being an adult is hard. But <laughs> on social media, you have that curtain where you can get to know people and be your true self. And if they don't like it, or if they're like, I don't want to talk to you anymore, then you don't talk to them anymore. 
and it's not like you're going to see their face. It's great. My therapist that I go to, we talk about like female friendships all the time because I don't have a ton in Milwaukee because I went to school out of state. And she recommended that I try Bumble BFF. And it's just like a dating site. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. (laughs) But she was like, yeah, go on Bumble and start talking to people. And, you know, I did for a little bit, but really I got that same satisfaction from Instagram just by like talking to people. So it's really just about being vulnerable and finding people that you enjoy. Like you're not going to find your best friend the first time you message someone. I mean, maybe. I don't know. You might. But just be super friendly towards other people. You know, on social media especially, you just have to comment on their posts, comment more than just like an emoji or more than one word, like ask them a question or say something that you really, really like. Do like a long comment because people really appreciate that now in the days of four words or less on Instagram. Respond to their stories about their business, about their life, anything. Respond with something that's either supportive or that brings you two together with a common interest that you have. There are so many ways to do this and it just all stems from putting yourself out there a little bit and taking that time. If you feel like building a community is a top priority for you, then just as much as it sucks sometimes, just spend hours and hours on social media. Take a break though, every once in a while and find new people, find new accounts, go on like the explore page, go on like TikToks for you page, um, anything. Just go on those, find some people who you enjoy the base stuff their work, their photos, their style, something that you want to connect on and work on connecting with them. Don't be overly pushy, like like send a message to them and say, hey, will you follow me back? Because they probably won't. But if you start with the conversation and are and try to get to know them, then they'll probably follow you back because you have started building a relationship with them. And I think looking at our friendship is a really great example because although I guess now it's I mean, it's been a couple of years, so it's hard for me to even remember. But, you know, at some point we transitioned from DMs to texting. You know, we exchanged phone numbers. And then when we first were starting Lady Boss Lettering, I remember us FaceTiming for the first time. And I mean, that's kind of like weird as hell, right? Like to sit down and like open your phone and FaceTime with a stranger that you met on the internet. Like, I don't know. Also, I'm a little antisocial, so y'all don't listen to me. But I mean, it's nerve wracking, right? Because I know in my head, I think like, okay, am I going to talk too much? What if I don't talk enough? Are there going to be a lot of awkward pauses? Like what if we like don't vibe on FaceTime the same way we vibe via text? Because some people are completely different breeds, right? They're, they text one way and they talk another. And I also have a relatively small friend group. So interacting with hundreds of strangers on the internet when I first started my account was something that put me out of my comfort zone. And I was one of those people that didn't show my face and didn't really talk about my life that much on my feed and didn't really talk about my life a ton on my stories. You know, I did on my feed here and there, but I think part of that was because I wasn't used to networking in that way, right? Like intentionally networking. But I think the secret for me was figuring out what my niche was, right? Because I started my Instagram account in the beginning because I loved hand lettering. So it was easy to interact with people who also loved hand lettering. So if you're struggling to find a community, whether to interact with or to be a part of or for your own business, start thinking about like 
who you serve. And if you can't figure out like who you want your audience to be, think about what you love. Like what is your business all about? And when you figure those things out, you can start following those hashtags. And the more you interact with those posts, the more Instagram is going to show you that on your explore page. And I think knowing that niche makes it a lot easier when you're spending a ton of time interacting on social media because you're being intentional about it. And when you're sharing what you love with other people who love the same thing, you know, the community happens, but don't give up if you're in the beginning because, because it does just take time. So be patient with yourself and be patient with others. And again, nail down your messaging and your niche and figure out what it is you want to be talking about. I know personally in the last year or so, as I've thought more about how I want to post on social media and trying to get better about pre-planning it, content pillars has really helped me to think about the type of content that I want to be sharing. To those of you listening who are looking to build a community of your own, think about, again, what you want to be sharing with them and kind of put them in buckets. And that way you can start creating content ahead of time and captions that fit into those buckets and make it a little bit easier for you to, you're still going to have to spend a lot of time on social media, unfortunately, but hopefully be able to cut back on that a little bit. And I know we've talked about community for a good amount of time. So I think now is probably the time that we should switch and talk a little bit about competition because competition is actually really healthy. And, and when you look at America, like a capitalist society, competition is really great for the consumers. But unfortunately, when you are building a community, there are are some negatives that come along with, you know, the community over competition mindset. So that's really what we want to focus on in this part of the episode. So in this episode, we have said multiple times that we believe in community over competition. So why won't we share everything in our business? And I'm going to be honest, we share a lot of information. One of the things that we see a lot is that frustration that people feel when someone won't share everything in their business or won't answer a question, a very specific question that they ask. So in response to that, of course, we want to be a part of the community, but we do have competitors. Like Arlena said, it is a big part of the economy and it really does push us to be better because competitors are a healthy thing. But that doesn't mean that we want to give our competitors every piece of ammunition that they need to take business from us because it can happen people can take business from us if they're making something super similar if they price their item cheaper that kind of thing some things we don't want to share and that's okay I think the best example of information that somebody might not want to share is their suppliers. So for example, one of your best selling items on Etsy are your key dishes and your ring dishes. Now you have a choice as a business owner where you can share where you got those dishes or somebody who really loves it and wants to put their own spin on it can put in the time to research where to get good quality affordable dishes and how to cut vinyl and how to digitize their lettering, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? There's this entire process that goes into it. And you have blog posts about how to digitize your lettering. And you've shared plenty of videos of you creating your products with vinyl on Instagram. And so I think that's the part that's really important is there are certain things that people are happy to share. But the thing that really frustrates me is knowing that there are people on the internet and on Instagram that if they messaged you and they've probably never talked to you before and they could be a new follower because they just saw a post about the item that you're selling and then they message you and they say like, hey, I wanna do that because I think that's a really great idea. Where do you get those dishes from? It's important to remember that while you could 
share where you get your dishes from if you wanted to, you don't owe anybody that information. And I think that is one of the most important things that we're going to talk about. No, something funny that happened though with that, that exact thing, the exact example with my key dishes, it is one of those things that I sell and people sell things that are similar, sell like little ring dishes, but the key dishes are something that I do not see very often. And someone bought one from me, which is great. Love it. And then they posted what brand it was in my reviews. And I was really sad because I was like, I do not share that information. I get like they wanted like to let other people know that it's a high quality store that I got it from. But at the same time, I was like, oh, I hope that review gets buried under a bunch of things when people don't don't go through it and copy me. But at the same time, even if they did, it wouldn't be like that big of a deal because like you said, I do the vinyl. I have, I customize my calligraphy. Like I'm not just putting a font on there, but I do, I am very stingy with that information specifically. And what you're describing is what's known as proprietary information or a trade secret. And this is just information that a business chooses to keep secret. This could be a secret formula, like in the case of like Coca-Cola or like the seasonings that KFC uses. This could be the process or the methods that you specifically use in producing an item. And this can be a really crucial decision as a business owner, and it can be a tough one. But I think it is important to kind of discern what is or is not proprietary information. I think a personal example of this is this past year, I started selling Christmas ornaments for the first time, and I personalized them by hand lettering on them with a paint pen. And I take videos, and in my videos, you can see the pen, and I also link the company in the caption, or I try to at least, in most of my posts, I tag them. But occasionally after a post like that, I'll check my message requests and I'll have a message from somebody who's never interacted with me before. And they don't even say hello. And they just are like, I want to make ornaments. What pen are you using? And you know, I, one, I already answered the question for you, but you know, that pen isn't really proprietary information, right? Because I'm filming the entire process and I'm making that choice to share it. But I do think it's important for everybody to remember that businesses and content creators, you know, they don't owe you anything. They can make the choice to share information with you, but having that level of transparency does sometimes come at a cost. And so it's important for people to remember that, that, you know, there is no reason to feel angry or frustrated with your favorite creator so long as they handle it in a respectful manner. If somebody very politely says like, hey, I completely understand why you're asking that question, but just so you know, I did a lot of time and research and spent a lot of money testing different brands and I finally settled on one. So, you know, that's important information that I like to keep to myself for my business. You know, your response should be, absolutely, I completely understand and thank you so much for your time. I mean, that's it. That That's what the message should be. So we both kind of shared different examples with my ornaments and your key dishes. But can you think of another example of kind of where you might draw the line personally between what to share and what not to share? Yeah. So we both definitely share a lot, especially when it comes to calligraphy. I share the pens that I'm using. I share the ink that I use. I share what nibs I use because like you had said earlier in the episode, just because you have those tools does not mean that they can necessarily create that exact thing. 
because it depends on your style, depends on how well you do calligraphy or whatever. But when it comes to things, at least for me, things that I took a very long time figuring out or trying different options, though some creators decide not to share their pens or their ink or whatever, and that's okay. But when it comes to those products that you have spent hours and hours doing research on, figuring out the best pricing, you know, getting samples made, that kind of thing, those are what I would consider proprietary information, and I don't usually share them. If I have a really good relationship with someone, I might share those things, but I'm not going to share it with you. Sorry. If you message me and don't even say hello and ask me where I got something. I think we keep using this word ask, but I think really what we have a problem with is the messages that are like demanding information. Yeah. One of those examples, I've gotten tons that people have demanded information, but even sometimes people will message me super nicely say, hey, I love your products. And one specifically that I can think of is someone loved my pins. I have two enamel pins in my Etsy shop and someone loved them, sent me a message and asked how much did it cost me, where I got them made and wanted to know all that because they wanted to create their own pin. And while I salute them for wanting to create their own pin and wanting to design something because pins were something that I wanted in my shop for a very long time, I did not give out the information that they wanted. I told them no. No is a complete sentence in most cases. Obviously, I was nice about it. And I said, like, thank you so much for liking my products. Unfortunately, I don't share that type of information because it's something that took me a long time. I went through a lot of different vendors and I got samples from them. I got pricing from them. It took me a very long time. And even though I don't owe anyone an explanation, this episode We just kind of wanted to go over why it's okay for people like me, for creators and makers to not share that information with you. As we start to close out this episode, one of the things that Mariah and I wanted to do was to share some do's and don'ts of asking your favorite creators questions. Because you shouldn't be scared to reach out to your favorite content creators, your favorite businesses, but we want to make sure that we give you a couple of guidelines and that you do so respectfully. So Mariah, why don't you give us your first set of do's and don'ts? Okay. Do introduce yourself and say hi to whoever you're asking the question to. And don't, definitely don't, just ask a question without making some sort of conversation first. Creators are much more likely to help you if you are nice about it. And the amount of examples and people that we have both experienced that are either rude or demanding, don't say hi, anything is just crazy. The amount of people who just don't even say hello at the beginning. So just make sure that you're being nice. You're making conversation. Don't make your message all about needing to know the answer to that question. The creators that you are messaging are people. They're not just their business and they want to be treated like a person. So make sure you're treating them the way you would like to be treated. Let's go back to kindergarten here. Treat people the way you want to be treated. 
after you've had a few conversations with your favorite creator, then that's where the next do comes into place. And that do is to ask one question that's specific. And this can be hard sometimes to narrow down what you might want to know into one question, but it's important to remember that when you're just scrolling aimlessly through like your personal social media, that's one thing. But when you're a business and you're scrolling through social media and you're building your community and you're responding to comments and you're answering DMs from customers, you know, when you're on social media, you're working. So when somebody's taking their time out of their day to answer questions from you, you know, they're on the clock for their business. And the don't that's related to this is one that I feel very strongly about because I think I see it so often, especially in the last six months or so, I feel like there has been a significant increase of this problem. And that's don't ask questions that you can very easily Google yourself. It's one of my biggest pet peeves. And if anybody out there listening is also frustrated with this, you can do what I do to my friends sometimes when I'm feeling petty. (laughs) And that's to go to L-M-G-T-F-Y dot app, or you could just Google L-M-G-T-F-Y and it'll pop up. But basically it stands for, let me Google that for you. And so when you click on the website from your phone, you can type in a question. It'll give you a link and you can send that link to somebody. And what it does when they click on it is it types it into the Google search bar and Googles that for them. Oh, I really, uh, it's just one of those things. Like I see it all the time too on Facebook groups and things where people ask a question. I see it on my Etsy group a lot where people ask a question that is so simple and you do not need to be taking up space in this busy Facebook group. And I always like do the check. Like I actually type it into Google and see like, you know, I type their their legitimate question that they could have typed into Google and see if it pops up with the correct answer. And 99% of the time it does. And I'm like, did you not Like Google is wonderful. I Google things day in, day out, and I get lots of good answers. I just don't, I don't understand sometimes. And I do believe this in my heart and in my soul. And I personally believe that as a business owner, you have two choices. Your first choice is to Google things, to build a community, to find a network, to do hours and hours and hours of research, to order samples, to figure it out yourself. Or option two is that you pay somebody for their time. You hire a business coach or you pay for a subscription-based service. I can think of probably 20 off the top of my head that people I follow and look up to have where you can pay, you know, five bucks a month or $10 a month and you get access to an entire list of their vendors. And for a lot of people, that is 100% worth it because if you're trying to pay yourself $25 an hour with your business, but you could pay five or 10 bucks a month for access to this platform, that would give you recommendations for vendors that you need, it is absolutely worth the investment. Because even though a lot of things in life are free, it does cost you your time. And that's something that I know I definitely forgot about in the beginning of starting my business. So I think it's important for us to remind those of you who are in the beginning stages of your business that even things that are free cost you your time. And that has a dollar sign equated to it. So make sure that you're doing that math. Going along with your set of do's and don'ts, the other thing is like, okay, yes, don't ask questions that you can easily Google. But if you have done no research whatsoever into what you're asking someone about, then do that research first and use them as a resource if you hit a wall and can't find anything else. An example of that is I have a bunch of creators that I look up to that are like letterpress printers or other stationary designers. And I had been looking for what felt like days for a really good paper 
that had speckles in it and was good on a letterpress printer for my own business. It ended up being for my little cards I put my pin on. I had seen one of the letterpress printers using a stock that I was like, oh my God, that's like exactly what I'm looking for. And I had had a relationship with her before, but I quick sent her a message. I said, I have been doing research on this for what feels like forever. And the stock that you're using in your stories is exactly what I need. Would you be comfortable sharing what stock you got? She didn't have to say anything to me. She could have said, oh, sorry, I don't give that information out, but she was very nice. She gave me the name of the paper vendor and I had to go find out where to buy it, but that was super easy. At least she gave me something, but just make sure that you're doing that research too, or like Arlena said, pay someone else to get the information that you need if you don't want to spend hours and hours on it. And I don't want to be the negative Nancy, but I will be for a minute. Because to be honest, if that's how you feel, if you feel like I'm just going to ask these people where they do this and where they do that, because I don't want to Google it and I don't want to do the research because these people already obviously have it figured out, you're going to fail as a business owner anyway, period. Like, I don't even think that's up for debate. Like, I hate to break it to you, but whether it's tomorrow or six months from now or five years from now, if all you're ever doing is asking for information from somebody else who does it and then copy and recreating what they're doing, you're just not going to cut it as a business owner. Yeah, it's called being a mooch and (laughs) no one likes a mooch. Okay, finally, our last set of do's and don'ts, which kind of rounds up this whole episode. Do respect that creator's boundaries that you are asking a question to and don't get mad at them for not sharing. Because like Arlena said earlier, they do not owe you anything. Anyways, that's all we have for you today. I hope you got some good little tidbits from it. And if you're looking to build your community, come follow us, talk to us, join our Facebook groups, and we will be your community. Otherwise, we will see you next Thursday and have a great week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Imperfect Company Podcast. For detailed show notes and more, go to imperfectcompanypodcast.com slash episode eight. If you'd like to connect with us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Imperfect Company or on Facebook at Imperfect Company Podcast. If you want to follow Arlena, you can find her at Bossy Brushstrokes on Instagram and you can find me, Mariah, at MJ Creative Co. If you like today's episode, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Our theme song is Clocks by Brasco. And we will talk to you guys next week, Thursday. Thursday.